We're picking all the apples because we're going picking. Well, apple picking. There's so many things you could pick, but we picked apples. Uh, at 720 WGN, nine minutes after eight o'clock. And from the Chicago Tribune, Corey Ruber. Good evening, Corey. Welcome back to WGN. Happy Monday, John. Long time no chat. <laughs> Why, it seems like only yesterday. Uh, actually, it was <laughs> it was Friday. Oh, have you got some good stuff. Oh, have you got some good stuff. Not just the stuff about the apple picking, but Corey has sprung upon all of us a retrospective of the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. Oh, my God. We're trying to remember better times for the yeah. Chicago Bears versus the Packers, right, John? <laughs> yes, indeed. But let's uh, let's wait to the second half hour to get to that. Uh, okay. but, 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 he said twice, as I go through this uh, exhaustive article on apple picking with your offspring. Now, how many different picking places did you apple pick with your son? Okay, I only Got took it. my son, Boone Finley, I only took him to five because, as I write in the article, if you want to go apple picking, you, you've got to get far out of the city to get right. some, you know, land and trees and all of that. And it's hard to keep a seven-year-old in the car <laughs> for an extended road trip. <laughs> I mean, right. we, we bring everything we own with us to keep him happy and occupied. And he loves apple picking. So he, right. he can generally do like an hour, hour and a half tops. And then, you know, like we can't go out to Rockford. That's just too far. Maybe in a couple of years we will. But, uh, yeah, so we try to keep it within an hour, hour and a half of the city. And how many different excursions did you go on then? I mean, you must have done this over a period of weeks then. Uh, actually, I think it was about two weeks. And it all started because he and I, my husband works on Sundays. My husband yes. covers the Bears, incidentally, yes. for yes, the same time. So he's gone frequently, um, mm-hmm. but he also does not like apple picking, and I blame that. I blame that on his California roots. You know, it just wasn't a thing when they were growing up. You know, they didn't. They don't have fall there like we have right. fall here, which right. I, I love and I miss when I moved away. Anyway, long story short, so Boone and I get in the car and we went to a place called Kuiper's, which is southwest of the city. And we just had a great time. And it was so funny because I started to, you know, I asked him, like, what types of apples do you want to pick? And where do you want to go to get them? And his perspective on this was different than mine. And so I thought, how cute would it be if, if he and I wrote this together? I mean, you oh. know, I wrote, I wrote the majority of it. Yes. He just provided some quotes. But they, <laughs> they are his quotes and his real feelings on, on each of the places we went to. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And it's his first byline ever anywhere outside of school. So I'm pretty excited for him, too. A journalism career is born. Yes. Oh, God, no. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got them broken down into different categories. And as long as we were talking about your husband working on Sundays, best apple orchard to visit during a Chicago Bears game, Keller's Farm Stand. I mean, I just love I love the headline title. Why is this the best one to visit during a Chicago Bears game? <laughs> So this was, Boone and I got there last Sunday, a week ago Sunday, 
when it was pouring rain and God bless the really nice people who work at Keller's. My son and I were the only people there who, who were visiting that day and the rain had broken just a little bit. And so we said, Hey, can we still go pick apples? And they said, sure. And so uh, a nice guy who worked there walked, walked us over and he said, okay, if it starts lightning, like you can't stay out by the tree. I said, okay, that's fine. So we picked quickly. We picked very quickly and Boone's favorite thing to do at the farm stand was to shuck corn. So, yeah, oh, that was the yeah. highlight. He really loved that. So it's like he's going to he's gonna be a good Midwestern boy. He's going to know how to shuck corn and pick apples. But what? So it was just the rain delay that made this the best place to be during a Bears game? Or they refused to show the Bears on TV? Or <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just still trying to figure that out. I mean, what makes it? It was. Yeah, it was a combination of it pouring rain for most yeah, of the day. And also, right. it was the first Bears home game of the season. So I thought, oh, that's oh. the perfect time for us to go and do something that's not football-related. And sure enough, I don't know whether it was the, the combination of Bears game and rain that kept people away, but we oh, had to play yes. Oh, th- wait a minute. Uh, as soon as you said Bears first game, that was more than rain. That was like the heavens open and ter- I was ready, you know— Where's Noah? Where's the ark? Can I find the <laughs> two of a kind? I'm ready to go. Holy mackerel, is it wet? Wow. Yeah, Corey, yeah that was the game with all the players yeah, yes. doing slip and slide in the end. Yeah. Well, no wonder it's such a good place to go apple picking. More with Corey Rumor. Uh, we're going to do apple picking, and then we're going to do the history of the Bears and the Packers. <laughs> Coming up on 720 WGN. 720 WGN, 19 minutes after 8 o'clock. John Landecker uh, with Corey Rumor. The first half of a rumor report that's going to last 60 minutes. That's what. Right now, <laughs> <laughs> right now we're doing tips from a seven-year-old and mom on um, on apple picking. And where did it go here? Come on, John. My son and I went apple picking at, at five new places. Here are our thoughts and tips. And, yeah, there's, a, there's your name and also your son, Boone. Right there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very nice. (laughs) (laughs) You know, put them to work early, right? You better believe it. So (laughs) what would you say, just your general impressions of, because there's a lot of different uh, apple-picking orchards that you went to. What what are just some general impressions that you had about apple-picking now and that – your seven-year-old, what did he pick up on? So he uh, he listened very intently. You know, before the break, we were talking about uh, Kuiper's Family Farm out in Maple Park. And mm-hmm. they, do, they did a really great job. They actually had somebody. So you'd sign in, you'd pay your money or whatever. you get a wristband. And they had somebody who told you, you know, how many different varieties they had, but also gave you instructions on how to properly pick an apple, which I had never heard at another apple orchard before. So I thought that was really great advice. And Boone was listening. Um, he, he knew you're supposed to twist an apple off a branch instead of pulling it off a branch. I'm like, I've never heard that anywhere before. So he was listening everywhere. That was the first apple orchard we went to together. And for the rest of them, you know, he was, he was twisting and he was keeping tabs <laughs> on. He knew which ones we were supposed to pick, which ones we weren't supposed to pick. And now part of the reason I want to get the story online um, on Friday is because now it's Honeycrisp 
season and honey yes. is the variety that you know everybody loves everybody wants to pick that variety but we really found even the the early ones some of the early varieties that were available we like those too and i say in the story we uh, with our neighbors and our whole neighborhood it's, it's become a thing where we all make applesauce together i know that sounds really like kumbaya-y but it's something that we started doing during you know when covid took over it's like okay yeah. we can be outside sure. You we bet. can mush apples together, and there are a lot of kids on, in our neighborhood, and everybody loves to do it together. And the guidance we have from our neighbors who have been doing this forever is, hey, you can pick whatever types of apples you want. Just don't bring any red delicious. So that's another <laughs> tip for anybody. If you've what, never what? made applesauce with your family before, don't bring red delicious apples to the table. Otherwise, any pretty much anything else works they're just well. not. They're just not conducive to... Saucing, yeah, so to speak? They're just not, it's just not no flavorful. Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, blah. And our neighbors, they love to cook. You know, I, yeah. I can't cook for anything. So it's like, okay, I trust your advice. If you say no red delicious, I will not bring any red delicious to the well, table. So. Well, so you went with your seven-year-old son, Boone, and he shares the byline or the whatever the line is called in the journalism yeah. business in the Chicago Tribune. So uh, let us get to some of his reflections, if you will. Uh, sure. His his favorite apple reminds him of a Pokemon something or other. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So I didn't know what Pokemon really was uh, and any details about it, but this was something that he acquired with his buddies in first grade. And apparently it's like making the rounds again. It came out like 25, 26 years ago. And now I I didn't know it was back. No kidding. You must not have a second grader, John. I uh, got that right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's making the rounds again. And so he liked the gala apples because they were kind of yellow on top and red yeah. on bottom. He's like, look, Mom, it's a Pokeball. I'm like, a okay, poke great. Ball. All right. Yeah. Okay. And then there's this quote. <clears throat> there's a... There's a pumpkin eating dinosaur, and it's really cool when it sneezes. It seizes, sneezes smoke out of its nose. Quote the Oh my gosh! Where was that? This is this is at Gobert's Farm, which I grew up going to Gobert's in South Barrington and getting pumpkins there. I had never been to like the actual Gobert's Farm within Pingree Grove, and so yeah. we went out there one day after school, and, and which is kind of a haul for us. Uh, but it was so great. They have an apple orchard that's like five or six years old. They have a ton of varieties, but I couldn't get Boone away. You know, we went out there because it's an apple picking story. We're going to go pick apples. But as soon as you walk through the door, you see this pumpkin eating dinosaur contraption and all the kids (laughs) were just like mesmerized by this thing. And yes, it blows smoke. It burps. It eats, it eats in quotation marks pumpkins, um, but it was it was really cool. <laughs> and so it was hard to tear him away from that and be like, "Dude, we're here to pick apples. We gotta go." And he was he wasn't happy about that initially. But yes, that seems to be the big thing that the kids love at the Goberts. Well, uh, you would expect that the apple place knew that if they were going to construct a smoke breathing pumpkin-eating dinosaur when you came in to pick apples that it was certainly take away somebody's attention from the apple picking. I mean, who, wa- totally. who doesn't li- Yeah, who, what seven-year-old boy doesn't like a, a smoking, uh, a fire-breathing 
a pumpkin eating dinosaur. I mean, I mean, they really? know their target audience, yeah. and they have a little <laughs> a little farm store, and there are T-shirts with pumpkin eating dinosaur. There are, uh, you know, uh, there's a book, okay. but there's also a sign that's, you know, you one of those photo opportunities where you stick your head through it and you take a picture of your cute kid uh, with a <laughs> pumpkin eating dinosaur on it. And they also. <laughs> This is kind of funny. I didn't put this in the story, but when we showed up, the afternoon we showed up, they actually gave us some money back because we had paid a little. They thought we had paid a little too much because their giraffes weren't on site yet and weren't ready for us to go like feed and take pictures with. So I thought that was really kind of them. Are you talking about real giraffes? Real for real giraffes. Yes. Who has real giraffes on their orchard? Where? What orchard was this? So this is Govert's Farm in Pingree Grove, oh. and I don't think the giraffes are there year-round. I think they bring them in for their fall festival, so they're only there They're there like a month, you know? They're not out there gotcha. during the winter or anything like that. But yeah, so it's like you got a pumpkin-eating dinosaur, <laughs> you've got a giraffe, so it's like... Apple or apple picking is kind of far down on the list when you go to yes. that farm, but because there's so much to do, so much so that I I had a promise Boone that we would go back and we'd do all the activities. So we're going to do that at some point. You stay here, Boone. Mommy's going to go do run a few errands. I'll be back in a couple of hours. You just play with the uh, fire, the thing that's eating things there, and uh, say hello to the giraffes. So, uh, I, I like that idea. <laughs> I like this idea. We can make this work. What do, what would you say would be like the average of all of your apple picking experiences? The the average cost per orchard is, you know, they let you in, you get sure. to pick how much, what do you pay, that kind of thing. Sure. Okay, so so Goberts, if there's a spectrum on one end of the spectrum off to the left, they, there are mom and pop apple orchards out there mm-hmm. that are open, you know, only like three or four hours on weekend days, and they don't have any of these wild activities. You go there just to pick apples. Right. Um, and, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you have the goberts with the giraffes and the pumpkin-eating dinosaur. So I, I think it, we try to, to do a variety of, of places, but it, honestly, it's kind of hard. There aren't that many open during the week, I know mm-hmm. last year a lot of apple orchards had a hard time, you know, with their crop. That doesn't seem to be the case this year. There seem to be plenty this year. It's just a matter of timing and what your family likes to do. Um, I have some other neighbors who went to Heinz Orchard, which I hear is a wonderful orchard. They have a lot of different heirloom varieties of apples. But, yeah, it's it, it, you specifically go there to pick apples, and that's it. So it kind of just depends on what you're interested in. And to go along with the five that Boone and I visited, I put mm-hmm. together a list of 20 uh, so 15 additional apple orchards that are within, within 100 miles of Chicago, couple in Wisconsin, one in Indiana, some toward Rockford. They're kind of spread out all over the place. So you can go and see what you like best. Some charge an admission to get in the door, like Gobert's charges an admission. And then if you want to pick apples, it's like 10 additional dollars to get a little bag where you get like two or three pounds of apples. Other places don't charge an admission, but they offer a variety of, you could take home a whole bushel if you want to pay for a whole bushel. It just kind of depends on how many apples you need. So where do people see this article? 
uh, okay. Corey, about the can, uh, apples sure, picking. Sure, go to chicagotribune.com and you should find it on the homepage. Or you can search for my name, Corey Rumor, in Chicago Tribune, and it should pop right up. All right. Speaking of Corey Rumor, we're going to do more with Corey Rumor. Uh, the <laughs> look back on the ever frustrating relationship between the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. When we come back. Okay, Corey. This is epic. I'm telling you, this is epic. You're, <laughs> I can't believe the how. All right. This one you sprung on me. I did not see this coming, Corey. This is just <laughs> the coolest. This is an entire history of the Bears and the Packers from, well, basically yesterday, which we can forget about, forget about, but all the way back to November 28th, 1921. So this yeah. is this is you down in the archives again, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and a trusty website called Pro Football Reference that keeps tabs on all of these types of things. But yeah, I just, a few years ago, I thought it might be fun to, you know, this was when the Bears were approaching 100 wins. Well, they're still trying to approach 100 wins in the series. But it was kind of like a race. Like, who is they have now faced each other. The Bears and the Packers have now faced each other 205 times. And a few years ago, we're like, who's going to get to the first 100 wins? And it looked like the Bears (laughs) until about 2017. And everything has been in the Packers' favor since then. That's why... I want to go, I don't want to go from now and go back. I want to go all the way back and come up to now because I've had it yeah, with now. Yeah, this is a more positive I, way. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we've all had it with now. Let's face it. Now doesn't get it. However, 1921, November 28th, Staley's Whale Green Bay Packers for a 20 to zip victory. So this is before the Bears were even called the Bears. Yes? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and in fact, I think it was just about, the anniversary was just about a week or two ago where George Hallis was one of the founders of what would become the NFL. It was in yeah. an automobile showroom in Canton, Ohio, um, where they decided, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to play professional football because what I didn't realize until a few years ago, again, you know, I, I didn't know much about sports until I married into a sports reporter <laughs> family. So... <laughs> I didn't realize that back then college football was the big yeah. deal. And yeah. the, the thought of playing professional football was, well, why? You know, what's the purpose of that? And so it's really due to George Hallis and the Bears, who, you know, in 1921, they become known as the Chicago Bears. They moved to Chicago. Um, and from then on out there, the Bears, uh, it, it, it was really, I mean, my God, it, this is one of the greatest rivalries in sports, it's not the greatest for every person who lives in Illinois and Wisconsin. You know, it's something they hate each other. They hate each other, <laughs> but at the same time, we kind of love each other. So I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah, but, you're yeah. right. No, it's somebody to trash talk against and and pass that along <laughs> from one generation to another. Although I got to yeah. say, for any rivalry to maintain that term rivalry, there should be some kind of equality uh winning and losing and we're not let's face it the bears are not holding up their end there's no question about it that's exactly right um it's the last 
the last time the Bears beat the Packers, December sixteenth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, Jeez. kind of a kind of a sore thing, a sore subject, right? Yep, uh, that's why I'm looking at the Bears. Patty Driscoll gaining six yards in the second half at the game at Soldier Field on December nineteenth, nineteen twenty six. Look at that. <laughs> We have this really old picture that ran in our paper. I, I couldn't even find the original for this one, but it's I, ice. It's like all snow and ice. <laughs> I know, but that's what's so great about football. I mean, the other night, you know, the first game was a deluge. You went apple picking, but they didn't stop the game because of the, all that intense rain. Now, they would have stopped it if there was lightning. But baseball, right. uh, But football plays in all kinds of weather, unless there's right. some threat to you, whether... You can see the field or not is sort of not going to be a factor. We're going to play the game. And you've got the highlight of the decade in 1932 is Bronco Nagurski slides 56 <laughs> yards to the end zone. 56 yards. He slid. I know. The way I wrote that sentence, it, it sounds like, yeah, he just slid forever and ever. <laughs> but, it, but the field was ice. I mean... Total ice. And the weather was so bad that it forced a playoff game that had to be played inside Chicago Stadium. And I remember when it was the Bears' 100th season, Virginia McCaskey talked about this, how she remembered going to this indoor game in Chicago Stadium and how it smelled. I think a circus had been there. And so she talked about how it, like, stunk in there. I mean, isn't it fascinating? (laughs) uh, Totally. I wasn't even aware that the Bears played indoor indoors anywhere at any time but yeah yeah that's, that's the only time i can i i know of here in chicago that they played it had to play indoors but I, by the way this 1930s highlight uh december 11th 1932 that game was played at wrigley field and the bears won nine what was it nine to nothing uh nine to nothing yeah it's like yeah. how did they get to nine <laughs> three feet Corey, you're married to a sports reporter. It's three field goals, I would guess. I'm Come not on now. Match, John. I'm not Come on match. now. Come on. I was thinking more complicated than that. Like, no, oh, did no, they not no. get the point after? What happened? <laughs> All right. Oh. I, now we're not. I'm not going to have time to get through this entire. Uh, That's okay. No, well, but we'll tell people, people the website. They can go right. to the website. That's what I want you to do. Where do we go to find all of it? You can go to ChicagoTribune.com yes. and just go to our bear stuff, ChicagoTribune.com backslash sports backslash bears, and right. it should be right there. I'm moving on to the low light of the decade, November 2nd, 1941. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Packers mm-hmm. apparently upset the Bears 16-14 to 14 at Wrigley Field, and there's a note here that says... A monster upset upset causes nine reported heart attacks. Where, <laughs> this is what I love. That's I so love random. This. I love having access to the Tribune archives because these are the types of things you find once you when you get through the stories. You go past the first couple of paragraphs, and yeah, yeah we reported that there were apparently nine people who had heart attacks as a result of this game. Now, whether it's true or not, who knows? But it certainly sounds they, interesting. Are they implying that these people had the heart attacks at the game itself? Is that what they're? Oh, I, I mean, okay, it doesn't I'm say. The story right now. Um, it doesn't say. I gotta go doesn't. to the jump page. Oh, it makes me. It's, it's all right. It's all right. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, it's a cliffhanger. Let's see. Let's uh, see. There's nothing wrong with cliffhanging. Don't worry about Let's it. See. I'm okay. <laughs> I know. This is the hard part of live radio. I mean, anything goes, right? We are talking to a journalist, a journalist in action. Her name is Corey Lamore. She is now within the archives of the Chicago Tribune, delving her journalistic expertise for our broadcast as we speak. We'll give her a moment and then return on 720 WGN. But you still got to beat the Packers. <clears throat> 720 WGN, John Landecker at 848 on the line with uh, Corey Ramore from the uh, Chicago Tribune who has delved into the archives to take a look at the lowlights and the highlights of that long-standing Bears-Packer rivalry. And I, I'm just randomly going through it. And, you know, okay. we talked to... John, I yeah, found, yeah. before the break, we talked about that 1941 game with the heart attacks. Yes. Uh, yeah, we had a story about it on the front page the next morning. Uh, there were two people confirmed who died from heart attacks who had been watching the game. One who had been at the game was the wife of Frank Hallis, the sister-in-law of George Hallis. Uh, she, so, yeah, it, it, she apparently collapsed in the press box during that game uh, oh and was God. taken away and later died. That's awful, right? So yes, sad. totally. It's, uh, it's just a game, right? Yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I, not in the in the Hallis McCaskey family, though. Maybe okay? not. Wow. Um, there were some very cool things that uh, I didn't realize that um, that William the Refrigerator Perry, who you're too young to know. <laughs> I'm not that young. Yes, you are. Um, he weighed 335 pounds. The fridge. And yeah. it was a big deal because he got on the team and they went to the Super Bowl and all that. Right. And he was the first 300-pound player to score a rushing touchdown, and he get, did it against the Packers? Against the Packers. I, I didn't, didn't really know yeah. that. Neither did I. I okay, mean, that's, that's, a, that, that's a great trivia Item, you ask me. Uh, yeah, consi- considering everything that went, uh, you know, everything that went on that year with the Bears, that r- the fridge scored his became that scored that touchdown against the um, Packers, and then maybe there's a guy named Devin Hester. Maybe you do remember De- De- Devin Hester. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember him too. <laughs> <laughs> that um, when was this? Uh, September 10th, 2006, he, you know, he became, well, you can confirm this with your husband. (laughs) He became (laughs) one of the greatest kickoff returners in the history of the NFL. And when he was a rookie, he returned a fourth quarter punt. I'm I'm telling you your own article. Returned a fourth (laughs) quarter punt, 84 yards for a touchdown. That was the very first punt return touchdown of his career. Lambeau Field. Yes. Woo-hoo. I mean, see, it's not all bad news. It's just That's bad. True. It's just bad news recently. <laughs> yeah. we're uh, And you know what? I was watching the game last night, John, and that first drive when the Bears scored, uh, it was like, I know. whoa, okay, this is promising. Yeah. yeah. And the, the announcers are going, how about these Bears? These young Bears, they don't know any better. Look at them. This is really great. They're young. Wow. Uh, well, that was fine. It lasted 
It lasted at least for one touchdown. I know. Corey, it's Steve in the newsroom. Can I ask you kind of an overriding question? Sure. Overriding? Yes. Well, and I may get pelted when I leave the station tonight, but I was listening to a commentator, an NFL Network commentator, that basically said... I don't see why these Bears-Packers games are featured anymore. Like on Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Football, the rivalry. He called it a lopsided rivalry and basically said it hasn't been an exciting game except for Green Bay in a long, long time. He doesn't think they should even be featured on national TV. Well, Well, this is an interesting question because I'm curious what the ratings were last night. I mean, why would you make it the Sunday night game if, if it's not worth it, I, somebody somebody's profiting off of it. I just well. I just told you what I heard, and I have to say it kind of made a little bit of sense. He was saying it hasn't. He's this is what he said. He said, "How many times do we need to see the Packers beat the crap out of the Bears <laughs> on national TV?" Uh, uh, I'm just well, reporting the, what I heard. No, yeah. I understand that. And, and as I said earlier, I mean, to, for something to be considered an actual rivalry, there should be, you know, some winning on both sides. And there hasn't been any from the Bears in a long time. But this is something that goes beyond all of that. I'm pretty sure that, Corey, you made a great point. I don't know what the TV ratings are, but I'm pretty sure they were big because it's the Packers and the Bears. And that's that. Yeah. And, and that's all you really have to say. And I'm sure... I mean, I don't know about the ratings around the country, but I'm sure Chicago ratings were, you know, way up there. And there's not that many people in Green Bay anyway. So, I mean, who knows? <laughs> I think, who knows I think what, people other than Green Bay are watching that game. Who knows, who knows what constitutes a high rating in Green Bay? No, I'm making a joke. I mean, I will no. say, I will say, I just looked something up that says there were 15 million viewers fewer for last night's game than the week before but the week before was bucks cowboys i mean it was tom brady it was Dak prescott uh, near sports and i'm not very good at this Uh, most of what i know about sports is osmosis at this point but yeah it sounds like the viewers were down but still significant um so uh, a a loss of 15 million that's a loss that's that's not that's not insignificant. So maybe you got a good point there, Steve. I mean, yeah. And well, they also, you know, they also. I, it, it, by I would think that after the first touchdown, the ratings were up. But then as mm-hmm. time went on, it got bad very and, quickly. Yeah, and then when it deteriorates, yeah. nobody wants to see a lopsided you know, victory. I, you know, I put my kiddo to bed after halftime, and when he woke up this morning, he's like, "So won." <laughs> And I said, the score really didn't change all that much, you know, after halftime. So, uh, I told my yeah. wife, I said, Packers won. She goes, yeah, what's the other news? Yeah. She, she wasn't surprised. She's like, yeah, well, that's pretty much how it's been for a long time. That's true. And then, you know, Corey's son wanted to go back apple picking. He said, forget this football. That's not going yeah. anywhere. I'm, I'm getting my apples picked. Smart boy. He is a smart boy. Maybe we should put that on TV. Yeah. <laughs> Corey, thanks for being with us again. It's always great talking to you. You know that Good I night, love it. Guys. Right, right back at you. See you okay. here. Bye. Bye bye. Play by play apple picking. Yes. Could well, be a ratings winner. Probably not. No, I don't think so, but hey.
you know what? There's so many, they have bags, or as some people call it, bean bags or cornhole. They cover that. So, <laughs> has that been on national TV? Yes, it has. It has? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, my God. Yeah, you should hear the announcers uh, attempting to make it sound like it's an actual sport. <laughs> 